The Friday GAA Podcast, with thanks to GAA Go, official home for live and on-demand GAA match streaming worldwide. Goal on here, goal chance for Conor McGrath, surely give it in, Conor. What a goal! Mackie heading it towards the 21 meter line. Came back, it's still going. Oh, what a goal! I can't think of a better position or a better place to be in right now, anywhere in the world. It's time to take Sam to throw! If you look back in sporting history, you'll see that the whingers and the whiners are forgotten. The characters remembered briefly. But will stick in your mind at the champions who showed class. I want nothing to do with that, to be quite honest. You know, I think it's a disgrace. It's a small change before the game, worth the street. Hello, good afternoon. Welcome along to the Friday GAA podcast. Nathan Murphy with you this afternoon, or this evening, or whatever time you're listening in. Tommy Rooney, the brains behind the operation. Good afternoon. Peter. That's me, no? We've no Adrian Barry, no Jared Gilroy, no Dave McIntyre, no Colin Parkinson. We've got our number one guy, though. Finally, after several years of the Friday GEA podcast, finally getting to share our studio with angry producer Mick. Hello. How are you? Called deep from the bench. It's like yeah. I'm that guy who goes like in a basketball game and sits like really down the end and kind of just gets stressed for the sake of it, but has no real issue and isn't really watching the game and suddenly it's, hey, you're on. I'm like, what the hell do I do here? That guy How also usually doesn't really I want even to gone get to on. Training for the last like six yeah. months. Yeah. Is yeah. this your first time on the GA podcast? It is. Yeah. You've been listening though every week. It hasn't been on for years, I would say. But a couple know. of years. Yeah. But you listen every week. Oh, religiously. <laughs> religiously, every Friday yeah. night. You don't even go out anymore. Just sit in and no, I never listen really to the lads having the crack. So you're a bit late. We had to delay the podcast for your arrival. Were you ringing Davy Fitz and explaining your whereabouts last night? As is a legal requirement now for every man under the age of 35 in Clare. <laughs> Look, Davy just wants to keep an eye on what everybody's doing. He's only okay. looking out for their best interest after all. So, I mean, really, we can't complain. That it? Well, I'm, I'm, not, fr- I'm, not, fr- I'm not actually living or from actually Clare. So, yeah, he doesn't actually, he leaves me alone. But, okay. you know, I have no problem with everybody else I know being kept tabs on. All right. Do you think the players care? What Davy does? Are they just used to it at this stage? No, like in seriousness, like I mean, I think it's I think it's something that they're pretty much used to, and just it's par for the course with Davy, and they look for the positives. I think in in <laughs> what in, are the positives? Okay, it's hard to say. You're putting me on the spot. I know. <laughs> it's a busy weekend. The positives are that we won all Ireland two years ago. By the way, that does you know, two yeah. minutes in. Well, look, you know, you're asking me questions that I don't know the answer to, but I think that pretty much covers everything. Uh, so we've got a busy weekend coming up on Off the Ball. Tomorrow on the show, we'll be looking ahead to all the weekend's football action. We'll have Tomas O'Shea on the phone. We'll hear from the new Mayo joint manager, Noel Kennelly. Uh, tomorrow night, there is the game between Leash and Kildare in O'Connor Park in the Leinster quarterfinal replay. Then on Sunday, we have... Live and exclusive national radio commentary of Armagh against Donegal in the Ulster Football Championship quarter-final. Dave will be alongside Aaron Kernan and Kevin Cassidy. Uh, what is now a sold-out athletic grounds should be a red-hot atmosphere, uh, so we'll have full coverage of that. We'll also have the former Mayo manager, James Horan, covering Galway against Mayo. 
Mayo's first championship game under the new management team. That throws in at Pierce Stadium at four o'clock. We will have Mossy Quinn keeping an eye on Tipperary against Kerry at Semple Stadium. That's at half three at the same time. Cork take on Clare. Ushin will be at that. And we'll have Anthony Moyles in studio as well for the afternoon watching the Leinster quarterfinals. Westmeath against Wexford and also Meath against Wicklow. So it is a veritable football feast. Yeah, like it is. There's an issue with scheduling here, though, really, isn't there? Like, Go on. Well, like, I understand why this has to be the fourth Ulster game because Donegal already had a game. But surely mm. there's a way of coming up with the summer that we don't have all these games, that the All-Ireland champions aren't playing on a non-televised game in their first game against, like, you know, someone that we wouldn't look at the calendar and say, oh, Kerry Tip, big game. But Tip are, like, Tip are a coming team. They won their first game by 25 points or yeah. something and they reached under 21 All-Ireland final. Should have beaten Cork last year. You know, like, yeah. last last week... We had to sit through Down and Derry. You know, we had it live here and off the ball. It was a really interesting game. Yeah, it wasn't right. Like, I mean, let's stop messing around here. Let's not be the people who were doing the Ireland England game pretending it was brilliant because they had it live on TV. No, but it wasn't. Like, I mean, nobody really wants to see that game. But like, I mean, I would cl- gladly swap Kerry and Tip and have that on before before the hurling last week. Yeah. Cooper's first And then, first like, game there's back. two brilliant games this week that are on TV. But you've got. Kildare and Leash isn't on anywhere at all, radio or TV. That's crazy. And you've got uh, obviously well, that's, that's a replay. Sky you can't. have the, because there's international fixtures tomorrow night. Sky have football, international football on every one of their five channels. But yeah. can, that, can that be passed on to somebody else then? No, we had we had quite a row about this at various stages last okay. year. Uh, no, it can't. But do you take my point that there's like there. Well, Did I you, don't understand th- this it. This happens does, every year. Does anybody this understand? happens every year where we kind of jog in. And it hasn't been too bad this year. The games have been better than we'd expect. Like, you know, we had the Cavan Monaghan game a few weeks ago that was a yeah. lot better than I would ever expect. The Hurling games have been good. Like, it was only really down in Derry that's been the first kind of, like, poor televised game that you'd sit in front to watch. And, Dublin, sorry, the Dublin-Galway Dublin, Hurling game as well. Dublin-Longford. Oh, sorry, Dublin-Longford. Yeah, 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 sorry. The Hurling okay. Oh, the replay, good. I meant, sorry. Oh. Yeah, but Dublin Longford was terrible. But look, I can understand that as well. You put Dublin on. But no more so than you'd put on Kerry. Who? Like, I, I, just think that, I just think that these collections of, right, everybody needs a game at this stage. We're getting into June. Yeah. Let's lump them all into the same weekend. It doesn't do anything. Well, there's so many favorite. issues regarding the fixtures this weekend. But who puts all these games on the same day? Is it the Central Controls Committee? Or do each of the provinces work separately and go, well, we're having this game on this day? Tough if we've got three big games There on. is a national fixtures plan. Yeah. So but how do you come up with this? I mean, I'm sure the province councils have, like, they set their own, um, they set them all. But, like, I mean, don't tell me that's not organised through the mm. GEA and through RTE and through Sky Sports and every all the other media and sponsor partners. Like, I mean, this can all be organised. And, you know, like the Ulster Council, for example, might be pushing to have you know, all, three of their four quarterfinals on TV. But, like, I mean, we could have had Kerry Tip last week. Yeah. And we could have had Down and Derry either last week or this week. And it wouldn't really make any difference. And you could have had both of them on TV, presumably, as well, if you really want. You could have had one of them on Saturday. Could have had one of them tomorrow. Well, yeah, okay. But look, there is, there is a, there's a, there's a amount of live games that there is. And like, one of the issues is, with this is... that's fine. And you don't want to be throwing them away either. Like, you know. No offence to Wicklow or Westmeath or Wexford, but two of those sides are going to go out of the Leinster Championship this weekend. And nobody's going to care less. Nobody will even notice that they've played their first championship game and they've been knocked out. Yeah. 
that doesn't seem right in a way. It also is clearly not right that Mayo are playing their first championship game of the summer against the Galway side who've already played twice. Yeah. Ah, New York doesn't count. Still though, two games. Yeah. You know. Well, I remember like a couple of years ago, Galway played their first championship game, I think on June 26th. Mm. Was that the year Mayo ran through them? No. Maybe it was the year before well, that. Well, Mayo also had a situation where they played yeah. their first championship game when eight teams were already out of the entire championship. Yeah, so they'd lost a provincial and game yeah. and their first qualifier. Yeah. Yeah, so there definitely is an issue. Like, I mean, look, we can go into wider championship restructure conversation and that's fine and everybody knows that we, like the situation as it is isn't perfect and we don't want it as it is but if you're going to have it that way just be a little bit inventive and yeah. actually sit down and look at things and say right well people are going to watch, want to watch Kerry in their first game out in a potential banana skin pardon the cliche but like it is and I I think 95% of the country would much prefer to watch that than Derry down we had quite a few on championship structure there was a lot of proposals put out there again this week Jim McGuinness Woolley was uh, omnipresent on News Talk across the schedule with his proposal. <laughs> Tommy, which of them impressed you? Have you got your own views on it? Own, I'd say. I have got my own, but have, have you a short synopsis of it? I haven't got. A sh- I'm not going to come out with a short synopsis of it now. But like columns one, columns one makes sense. He's going to publish uh, it somewhere else, Nathan. He's holding yeah. back. Maybe yeah. I'll publish it. Yeah, I probably should have published it this week. Column, columns one makes sense. James one. It does make sense too, but it's a little too complicated. Like I think Colm's on the right point when he's saying that keeping the provincial councils happy, keeping the, the provincial championships, I think that's important. Having a league structure in the championship is also important too because teams like teams like Tipperary, they need games. They need a, yeah. when you've got a young team coming through, they need a, a constant level of good games. Armagh played in Division Three this year; that won't have done them much good. But if they're playing their league games in a championship pace, building on what they had last year, they played Armagh played six championship games last year and they grew so much over the summer mm. if you're only playing two championship games every year you're not going to grow at all yeah I guess that is one of the key issues that everybody plays quite a lot of games and plays a similar amount of games the overriding issue though to all these plans and the biggest problem I suspect is going to be finding a second tier competition that counties will actually care about but Nathan if that's all they have they'll care about it. I was at, at the Dublin Longford game we were talking about earlier and we, uh, a group of my friends went and watched it. We watched, we were in there for Galway Dublin which was a great game and we went outside. The game was back on. You know, you're a bit, a bit late getting back to your seat. You're not that excited about the game anyway. It's one treat to no score by the time <laughs> we sit down. And we're like, God. And then coming up towards half time we're just like, this is pointless. And then I was just looking at like a few Longford fans down near the, near the pitch and I was lo- watching the Longford fans the subs warming up and we were just talking about like this like football means more to the general person in Longford than it does to the average person in Dublin you know what i mean it, this is like this is really this is what their their team is what it's about is what it's all about for so many of them yeah. like this is a really important thing how do you you get the draw and you say right jeez we might beat awfully okay and when we're going to Crow Park to lose by 27 points to Dublin like how does that? How does football continue to grow? How does it ever be sustainable if that's going to be what it's like? You know, how do well, you? Clearly how is Longford? How is the Longford senior inter county team going to be still the most important team that kids follow in that county? You know, it's like so. What they could if they're in a B championship mm. with whatever name it has, and let's definitely leave the word B out of it. 
if they're in that championship and that's what they're in and they have a chance to win that and they've got loads of games in it and they've got whatever and you know if they get a really good team together they have a chance someday of winning that trophy they're not going to yeah, be contenders every year yeah. that's something to strive for that's going to be amazing it'll be like eventually it'll be like being a championship or a division 1 team yeah it does seem as though senior intercounty football is the only area that's where football by the way soccer I was trying where, to yeah, using where this problem well. is because like I think of my own club in Ballyhonas who won the Mayo Intermediate Championship <sighs> and they're probably never going to be good enough or a big enough town or a big yeah. enough club to win a senior but it was massive oh yeah whereas can you see a way Tommy where we can transfer that to the scene but the demands are so great but but it, it, but I don't understand it because like there's only like we were me and Tommy were talking about this briefly yesterday like and and and, and Donny and it was like there's Maybe what? There's five teams that on their best day could win the All Ireland. Yeah. There's another tier of about seven who can compete with anybody on their given day. Who could day. possibly beat one, one of, the, of top the top five. five, yeah, on the given day. And then there's everybody else. And the sort of eight to fifteen will fluctuate over eras. Yeah. But ultimately it'll all be the same. Like so ultimately, like what you know, like say hurling isn't that different from that. So, but that's just automatically. You don't get into the championship because a good team playing a very, very bad team in hurling is different than even what Dublin and Longford is. But ultimately, the talent level isn't all that different. No. You know, so that's just a sell. So I said, Kerry won the Christy Ring Cup last week. They're back in the championship next year for the first time in years. That's brilliant. Yeah. They got promoted in the league. You know, like, I mean, that's a very normal thing. What, like, is that not better for Kerry Hurling? They're getting trounced by Cork by 40 points in the first round of the Munster Championship every year like they used to have to. And I guess you're going to have some sort of anomalies every so often. So Meath might drop down to the B Championship. Yeah, and then you work your way back up. Teams going to transition all the time. But like, I remember speaking to John Heston a couple of years ago when I was in a college project. And John's a man who's played professional soccer. He had trials professional soccer with Derby County a couple of years ago. He went over and he played in Australia for a while. He's a man who takes his football very, very seriously. But it, And he's actually part of a very talented West Meath team that can close the Leinster Under-21 titles. Mm. They got hammered in 2009 by 27 points by Dublin as well they got hammered there two years ago by Dublin Westmead could go out this weekend and could beat Wexford they could come and they could play maybe Mead if they beat Wicklow in a Leinster semi-final and they could beat Mead they're not going to meet Dublin in a Leinster final and you know they're going to get hammered again it's doing them no good they're only getting three games John was completely disillusioned that they're training as much as everybody else from November yet they're only getting three championship games the structure doesn't work for these players it doesn't the rewards aren't good enough You've got class footballers in these small counties and they're just, they're going out and they're getting beaten and then they're going away for the summer and that's it. Like, but would John Heslin be happy to play in a B Championship for Westmeath to win, I know you're saying get away from the word a B Championship, but for a second tier Championship? I can't speak for him, but I'm sure that if there was a high level of quality in these games and you, you had like your, the likes of, say your traditional teams like Mead dropping down every so often or you had a court Armagh there you know you're going to have quality teams in the second in the second team tier because there is a good level of football it's just that there's such a, a huge gap between the top five and maybe the the middle the middle tier someone did just on a, it's kind of counter to what you're saying but somebody made the point kind of arguing against Woolley's structure during the week that um, Armagh would have been in the B Championship this year mm. but I would say they absolutely wouldn't have been because they got relegated in the Winter League last year yeah. and then came into a Championship which is when that would have been played and got got momentum and made it to the All-Ireland quarter-final so there's no way they would have been relegated you know it would have been like a leash or a Kildare well 
not them two particularly because yeah. they had been relegated from yeah. Division 1 but you know what I mean and do you know what even if they were great so yeah. what it's only a year one, it's only you one can year. win it and I think that well, you think we are pro- talking about more than one team being promoted and relegated yeah. Yeah, in time. a given yeah. year yeah and that's it's what far better having one or two teams suffering the very odd season than having 16 or 18 teams starting every season with no chance of winning anything. Absolutely, like, yeah. On, if Mead were relegated, like people would say, oh, this could be the end of football. I mean, you'll just hear that because people yeah. love to say things like that. It absolutely wouldn't be because what it would be would be kick up the arse. Yeah. And it would be like, let's get out of here. Now, look, if they're stuck there for 10 years... There'll be disillusionment and there'll mm. be whatever. But that's if a greater that, issue. But yeah, exactly. That's nothing to do that's with this. this yeah, they they wouldn't be winning all Ireland's or Leinster's anyway. Then, yeah. so if they're if they get out of it within two years and there's suddenly they're coming back in revitalized, that's a great opportunity for a yeah. team that are down. Someone like that, you know, someone with a, a good football pedigree that are just struggling at the moment. Look, if it's set up and it's taken seriously, and I've, and the teams that will take it like the second tier, if we have a second tier competition that is taken seriously, it's it could be perfect. Yeah. Do you, know, you get the sense that there is now the momentum for change that so many big names are getting behind this and that even Egon yeah. Farul is saying, OK, let's sit down and chat about it, that within the next couple of years we will have something dramatic? Uh, yeah, I get the sense that there's there's never been a desire for this, but my fear is, and based on some of the proposals that I heard the president making last week kind of before all the big proposals my fear is that it'll be so half-arsed yeah, that yeah. it'll actually make things worse that Wicklow if they get beaten by Meath will go into the Connacht Football Championship no like I think his thing was like it'll basically be a new Tommy Ro- Tommy Rooney Tommy, <laughs> <Murphy Cup. laughs> Tommy Murphy Cup hey, that'd be inspiring and it's like for Division 4 teams who lose their first round game but there's a way back in to the championship and ultimately it's it's half-arsed yeah. it's, it's for no because there are it, it, but it's, it's lip service to the weakest of the weak while not making any changes that yeah. matter. Yeah. Whereas this needs wholesale. This needs I like Column's thing about keeping the provincial championships is fine, right? It's it's an idea, it's to get a pass now. I if in an ideal world when we didn't have to get anybody to vote on this, if I was a czar and I could just come in and <laughs> say, let's just bloody have the new championship, provincial championships would be out the window because I prefer some sort of meaningful preliminary competition yeah. or or stretch the championship out a little bit longer or whatever, you know, because there's still no point in having a Leinster championship. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's still only just a group. Like, think about provinces. Like, what are they other than in the GA? Just collect, like, they're historical areas. Rugby. Yeah, okay, rugby, yeah, but they're, they're actually professional rugby clubs that are named yeah. after those places. They don't even have catchment areas anymore. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you you can see it ending up as as you put it, a completely half-arsed approach where yeah. they try and put in another championship without even then ignoring the elite teams who need to be playing each other more often, who need to have a set structure where they've a certain amount of week on and a certain amount of weekends off, and everybody plays the same amount of games, and we'll probably still be sitting here in a year's yeah. time. Look, chance are we will, it. and just sorry, I know I've been going on about this, but yeah. like, just one kind of counterpoint and to the GEA's defence and. Like we were talking about earlier about why don't they just mix up the fixture. It is incredibly complicated. When you bring in club teams, you talk about dual clubs, dual counties, mm. everything like that. I've looked at Colin's proposal and I've looked at it and I'm kind of saying, where does Hurling fit into it? And, right, he'll have an argument to that and then he'll say, well, okay, okay, well, we're talking about the club season starting in mid-August now or whatever and the championship season starting. And it's like, right, but what about the five, four counties that'll be left in the Hurling Championship and if one of them's Cork or one of them's Clare, yeah. they're not going to have football championship running off during that time. 
you know, and, yeah, there's going to be little issues with hurling championship either. So there's not there's just going to be clogging somewhere, no matter what, because ultimately there's almost too many people, too many individuals in the GA play for an awful lot of teams. Yeah. So it's not this simple. We yeah. we suggest it is sometimes of like get off your arse and sort out fixtures for the club players or for whatever. Like it, it does seem very complicated when you look into it. Like yeah, and there's no perfect fix, but there's yeah. certainly fixes that are a hell of a lot better than, than what, what we're dealing with at yeah. the moment. So one of the top five teams are Donegal and Armagh, possibly one of those seven or eight teams who on their day could upset them. That is the game this weekend that we have live on off the ball on Sunday, and Armagh very nearly beat Donegal last season in what turned out to be one of the most dramatic and exciting games of the season. Tommy, every week on com, you put up a really interesting article on the tactics and a little bit of detail on all the teams. This week it's on our mat, Donegal. What are your thoughts? It was said last night and off the ball that it's it's going to be an absolute war in the Athletic Grounds on Sunday and it is. Um, last year our mat, they were a very interesting team. Um, they really kind of dragged teams to where they wanted to play them. But their football was also really good as well. I watched them against Meath and they ran through me. They had Andy Mallon come from corner back and Brian Mann had a great game that day as well. And and last year like they were they were they were really good. Like they against against Donegal, they lost by a point. Michael Murphy and Paddy McBrady made a massive difference in the last couple of minutes. But they weren't they weren't a finished article. A year on, Kieran McGinney's over them. They've made a couple of changes. One that Aaron Kernan picked out last night was the fact that they've changed their full forward line and the way they're setting up in the forwards. And we saw last week one thing that was very evident, and Colm actually pointed it out in the podcast last Friday night, that Donegal or Downs inside forward line were way too small. You had on or Conor Laverty, Mark Poland, Donald O'Hare, they weren't going to win primary possession. And they didn't. None of them boys really stood up. Conor Laverty had an okay game. Last year Armagh played a Kyle Carher and Jamie Clark inside most of the time. And they set up with Tony Kernan and Kevin Dyson half forward line, a kind of a four like that. And it probably it probably just didn't work enough. This year we've got Andrew Mernon playing in the full forward line. He's Where's Jamie Clark going to play? Clark's going to play inside off him, I'd say. Um, that experiment of playing Clark in the half-back line during the league, there was a lot of talk that McGinney did that just to kind of teach him how difficult it is for the half-backs to play the balls in and for him to kind of improve his game, his awareness of football in that in that sort of a sense. And stop moaning. Maybe, maybe that is it, yeah, stop moaning. It could be more that they're going to drop Clark back out the field during games and, and use him as a playmaker we'll yeah. see how that happens but they've got they've got options you know they've got Ethan Rafferty he's back he was injured in the summer last year he's only 20 he's probably going to play in midfield with Aaron Finn I think Armagh could, could at, home, at home sold out yeah tight little ground they think, every, they think yeah. the world is against them I just think that they're the type of team that can turn everybody around and like you kind of add to everything you've said there. We haven't seen hardly any of them this year because they were in Division yeah. 3. I don't think anybody's seen any of them, to yeah. be honest. And you add where they came from over the two years with Paul Grimley and add in what McGinney's probably brought in. Plus, like, he's not going to... They're very they're similar in their approaches as well. So he's not going to come in and blow everything up and no. start again. He's coming in to put the final touches on something that they've learned over two years and you compare Armagh two years ago that first game against Cavan which is probably the worst game of football I've yeah. seen from one team actually I kind of liked a lot of what Cavan did in that game but that's a whole Armagh different thing but Armagh were dreadful yeah. Yeah. And, I, and when you grew up like watching that Armagh team of the early 2000s it was depressing to watch that game and 
to where they went last year. Like Tommy was saying, that that performance against me, the performance against Donegal, especially, and you think that we don't really know what McGinley has added to that. Like I think they're very dangerous because they haven't got any worse for sure. Definitely not. No. Do, do you enjoy these? You said it's going to be a war. They're brilliant to watch at times. I very I much enjoyed Donegal and Throne. Yeah. Like I mean, that was I enjoyed that more. You than take I your eyes I was off going it. to be yeah. Because I'd watched Throne a few times in the league, and they, the just the intensity of that game when we hadn't seen an intense yeah. game of football in so long since last September was brilliant. Yeah, I guess it goes know? back to the championship structure argument. You want to see more of that? Not every game is going to be the best game of football, but you need to have that sort of intensity yeah. and that sort of passion and something on the like, line. Yeah, I thought it's, it's, it's a manic aggression, and I think that was missing last Sunday a little bit with Derry and Down. It was kind of a slow game. I think this is going to just be really kind of hard hitting it probably won't be the highest scoring game either but I think it'll just be like there was 11 yellow cards in the Donegal uh, Donegal Tyrone game it's probably going to be a high hard card count again here again but I think that's fascinating to watch yeah funny like I wouldn't when I say like the intensity of that game is something I really enjoyed actually by the second half like the the needling and the fighting and all mm. that was just annoying me I thought it was taken away from what was a great game of football and I, I actually kind of mean like there was intensity in the football you know, like it was, yeah. a, it, was, it was like it was a hard, fast, really fast game. Yeah. But like all the bullshit that was going on around it, like you know, like even I remember uh, the final straw in that game for me was when the Dunny Call guy had been subbed off, uh, kicked the ball, shut up from the bench and kicked the ball down the <laughs> sideline. I was like, I've never seen anything like that before. Like, what an awful thing to do, you know? Michael Murphy's been targeted essentially in every match he's playing, and I'm sure it'll be the same again. But that presumably provides a lot more space for Paddy McBurty and that's the key for Donegal getting good ball into him yeah McBurty I saw him a couple of times this year um, and he just seems to have more of a mature head about him um, the point of kicking against Armagh last year was actually a brilliant point Donegal held on to the ball they worked it he gets the ball in the left wing and he just p- pushed the ball over the bar it was just a class point against Tyrone he scored a similar point where he just kind of, the ball just worked its way out to him and they're finding McBurty in the right time, in the right space. And he has to be that man because Conor McFadden isn't the man that he was when they won the All-Ireland in 2012. But Murphy, they need Murphy inside. I think they need Murphy inside of McBurty. They can't just leave him in there in his own. He's so important. He did, like, he did, McMahon kept him so quiet. Well, not quiet, but McMahon, he didn't score until the last 10 minutes against Tyrone. Mm. And they're going to need him big time this weekend. Who do you think is going to win it? I'm calling Armagh. I was impressed that Donegal beat Tyrone yeah. when Tyrone really showed up that day. I think Armagh might be a better team and they're away, but I think Donegal having that game behind them and I think any kind of residual All-Ireland hangover or whatever that might have been there, I think that's gone after playing Tyrone. I think they'll just scrape by. I think it'll be really close. Yeah, so that's Armagh, Donegal, do you think? Athletic Grounds. I you guys sitting on the fence here asking the questions. It's a podcast, Nathan. I think Donegaler will have two or three points on them. The fact, as you say, that... It's Armagh's first day out. Donegal have had such a tough game. And Armagh have been playing Division 3, which Kieran McGinley's been at points. Mm. To point out, yeah. Point out that, at pains to point out that, well, we make mistakes a lot in Division 3 games and we get away with it because, in general, we were the best team. Whereas, you make two or three mistakes against McBurty or Murphy and they're going to kill you. Yeah. Do you think that matters, really? Like, it's funny, I always found that was one of those... When you see how intense that Toronto-Donegal game was. Yeah, it's true, it's true. And the the league has been taken more and more seriously, and there was quite a few intense games in the league as well. Yeah. 
that just weren't there for our man. And I, I definitely see the idea of it. I just wonder sometimes is it like an Overblown. excuse that's there that's ready to go, you know? Like I definitely there is a difference, but like I mean when Clare were in one B for years and it was always the court and then when Cork got relegated they immediately <laughs> yeah. changed the, tra- the structure, you know, because they couldn't have Cork sitting in the second tier because God only knows they'd never win another Munster Championship again. But no, but that's that, that residual anger. No, but that was the feeling at the time. It's only slagging like but there, there was that sort of thing. It was like, oh, you can't be playing Division Two hurling or whatever because you'll have no chance when you get into the championship. Yeah. Like you know, but then like look at Waterford this year. They're probably going to win the bloody All Ireland unbeaten after coming from one B. You know, but it, it like it can be an excuse. It can be, it could be there. I w- if I was a manager of a go- of an Armagh team coming yeah. from Division Three, I wouldn't be banging on about it. I wouldn't like that to be there in their heads going, oh look, we we'll, next year we're yeah. Division Two. We haven't two, faced we'll anything like this then. since. Since we played Donegal this time last year, yeah, or just just that thing to fall back on. I don't like yeah. the I don't like the idea that like if we lose this game, our manager's going to come out and go, "Look, we'll be in Division Two next year. We haven't had real games yet this yeah. year." Like it definitely can make a difference, but it's been seven weeks since our man played a game, and in that time, they've had a lot of players coming back from injury. I think that the your game and your training and everything it kind of changes in that in that time in that period and. I don't know if it makes that much of a difference seven weeks on. I think our can kind of gear themselves to be right for this. They've known they're going to be playing either Donegal or Toronto yeah. since whenever the was made last them year. Up. It's a kind of a it's an interesting ground as well, the Atletics ground, isn't it? It's tight. I know they've done it up and it's kind of nice now, but it still feels like kind of that on top of you thing. Now, Bally Buffet is very similar, yeah, I know, yeah. but I just like. What you're saying is there'll be an incident at half time as No, I'm not, time. I'm not, I'm not. I'm saying that the home advantage could be a big yeah. deal. I might have played you that know, many games there. Championship, championship football, um, but still, though, I, I think the fact that it, it's in Armagh, it's, it's, it still makes a big difference. All right, two o'clock Sunday, Armagh against Donegal. Dave alongside Aaron Kernan and Kevin Cassidy. So. Aaron Kernan, who went straight out and said Armagh were going to win the game on off the ball last night. Yeah, I, I admit I was on the fence before I spoke to Aaron last night, but he's convinced. Oh, he, he has the inside track. Night. Yeah. Right, so that's 2 o'clock. Then 4 o'clock, it is the Connacht semi-final. Galway against Mayo at Pierce Stadium. Obviously, no Shane Walsh for Galway, which is a massive blow for them. Uh, the Mayo team was just announced this morning. Um, David Clark's going to start in goal. Rob Henley drops out. No Jared Cafferkey, no Donald Vaughan because of injury. Andy Moore and Killian O'Connor are down to play. Uh, obviously, Killian's had a lot of injury problems over the last while. And interesting... Well, James Horn's going to be at this game for us, uh, so it'll be very interesting to get his thoughts. But reading his column in the Star this morning, he was piling the pressure on Noel Canelli and Pat Holmes. These players haven't hit their peak yet. Ooh. I was down at Mayo last weekend and talking to Noel Canelli, and I think he was a little bit wary when he saw the new stock microphone. Obviously, James Horn is doing quite a bit of work with us, and there's been quite a few rumours coming out of Mayo earlier in the year that some of the senior players weren't too happy, which I think is probably quite natural when so many of them became and certainly stepped up to a whole new level under James Horne but it has gone pretty quiet and there's zero expectation around the place it's so funny isn't it like it's just it's like the manager's gone very well respected manager who let's face it didn't get exactly the full support of the Mayo no. public his no. entire time there either you know it was always his fault yeah. when something went wrong but now suddenly you're left with a new manager structure and look at this team Keith Higgins Lee Keegan the O'Shea brothers, Kevin McLaughlin, Andy Moore, Moore and Killian O'Connor. Yeah, and the thing that stands out, I, I remember in my, in a previous life, going on the Ray Darcy show the morning after Mayo were beaten by 
Donegal in the All-Ireland final and obviously I was just devastated and seriously pissed off and I said the problem is when you look at that Donegal team there was four or five men leaders whereas Mayo just didn't have that they've had the same one or two guys Andy and Alan Dillon and that's been it but you look at that side now yeah and it is full of leaders. Absolutely. In fact, they've so many bloody leaders at this stage. They've still got two or three guys on the bench. That that was something I said to Noel Canelli. Almost you're coming in here and you have eight or nine guys who are all quite powerful within the dressing room. And it's very difficult for a management team to gain control of that. Mm. Uh, Darrell Shea made a good point, though, that if Mayo do beat Galway and Common, suddenly... Yeah, see, this is funny because this is they're gone for five in a row, are they? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the other four, you would say, last year was the hardest test of that, and still wasn't even mm. too much. This will actually, this is this is the first time this is a kind of title to win. Yeah, you know that this is like this is a serious Roscommon team and a Galway team that people feel are kind of it's a way to Galway, and it's it, people feel they're on the rise a little there, bit. Yeah. You know, yeah, but like it's an actual being a way to Galway is irrelevant. There is no, not a stadium yeah. in the country that has less of an atmosphere. Yeah, well, than, yeah, like, in, in be, Salt Hill, there'll be yeah. twice as many Mayo people in Salt Hill as there will be Galway people. Yeah, well, I think if you talk to most Galway people, most North Galway people, football yeah. fans, they'll want all the games in tune. But yeah. I don't know. They made a bit of a mistake. You build there. the stadium. It's they like, you know, talk build to Scotty Regan they, about Tullamore and you'll hear the same argument, you know. Build the stadium. They may not come, is yeah. the message in Galway. Yeah, with Shane Walsh missing, it's it's a huge blow. Do you see any major risk to Mayo on Sunday, Tommy? I'll be honest, a couple of weeks ago I put money on Galway winning the Connacht Championship, but oh, I don't think I'm. Uh, I don't think. I'm not as confident now as I was. At the time, there was doubts about Killian O'Connor. Him coming back is huge. The loss of Shane Walsh is huge for Galway. I don't know how Galway are going to deal with O'Connor. Yeah. I'm not convinced about Galway's defence. Carl Sweeney's a good young footballer that's come through. He's about 23. You know, he's progressing along nicely. He's He was on the under-21 team to do well a couple of years ago. Um, Liam Silk was a star in that Cara Finn team that got the all Ireland final. Mike Amin was saying last night he might drop back in O'Connor. Pushing up the field at the play of Flynn and O'Connor on the midfield. Flynn and O'Connor on both got destroyed last year yeah. by the Mayo midfield. They're two brilliant footballers who are going to be huge for Galway but I don't think I don't think they're as you said I don't think they're they're men yet for Galway football you know Seamus O'Shea and Aidan O'Shea and Tom Parsons is back for Mayo but the two O'Shea brothers there they're such huge beasts like they're just physically so imposing and Mayo's half back line they're so strong it's just hard to see this Galway team beating them now I don't know yeah Mayo still look like a side who could rack up some very big scores over the course of the summer when O'Connor's there. Yeah. Look, Mayo made two All-Ireland finals in a row and then lost the replay after the two greatest games I've ever seen to the team who won the All-Ireland last year. Mm. And this weird negativity that goes with it is bizarre to me. Mayo should win this game by... Eight or, eight or ten points I think like I'm not saying they will but there's no yeah. reason for the pessimism that I see like this team is actually like James Warren's I, I, right I, I this team is like other than Andy maybe Andy Moran and you know obviously uh, Alan Dillon isn't picked to start but like nobody else is in their 30s yeah Keith Higgins no, is but yeah, like yeah, nobody else turns. nobody else is you know pa- yeah. like past it or anything like it like these players should be better than they were last year I do think the pessimism maybe surrounds the way the appointment was handled I think if Kevin McStay and Lee McHale are the management team Mayo supporters are thinking we're going to win All-Ireland and that's not actually a a reflection on Kennelly and Holmes' ability because Kennelly and Holmes have won All-Ireland under 21 with Mayo Uh, they've had great success at club level it's more that there is a doubt that this wasn't handled right it didn't go through in the right manner and because of that it got off to a bad start 
and like the opposite side is if Mayo were to lose the pressure that is going to be on them I, I, I wouldn't expect Mayo to come back from a defeat on Sunday no so but, but what game. I mean is that like I completely agree with you it is a huge game but there shouldn't even be that thought yeah. in the head of Mayo fans like they've get, the team and of, of the last four years have given Mayo fans no reason to be as pessimistic as they are I understand it's because you're from Mayo and it's because you never no, win I, anything I, 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 wouldn't be at all, <laughs> I wouldn't be at all surprised if Mayo won this game by 10 points the, when we did uh, our show in Westport last year I was um, Tommy was there there was some brilliant moments but mainly mm-hmm. mainly one where um, Mayo were about to play the quarterfinal, yeah. I think, at the time, and um, we were talking about maybe playing Kerry in the semi. And about three different people to me at completely different times of the night said, Do you know what? I kind of don't want us to get to the final. I mean, because nobody's ever lost three All Irelands <laughs> yeah. in a row, and we just got down this year. It's like, you've already saying you're going to lose the All Ireland final. Yeah. It's like, but like, that's just beaten into you over however many years and I can't really blame I can't really blame Mayo fans but it is the way it is and like this pessimism just as an outsider I have to say is coming from nowhere yeah I think it will evaporate quite quickly if they put in an impressive performance uh, against Galway but it will be interesting to hear what James Horne has to say about it and what he takes out of that game Uh, the Munster football semi-finals Cork against Clare uh, Clare impressive winners against Limerick, but Podge Collins getting injury. Yeah, they've, is... they've they've Clare have six frontline injuries for this game. Like you know, like of the six yeah. of their top, which such, ten players. Such a yeah, pity, you know. Because... And most of them are forwards. You got Shane McGrath out, and like David Tuberty is one of the best forwards oh, yeah. in the country. Like, and he's not around. You got Podge Collins, who become such a big part of it. Even Cotton McInerney, who transferred over to Hurling, he's fifty fifty. I think maybe even less than fifty fifty to make it. Like they're, you know, such a pity because looking at that Cork team. Yeah, Claire uh, would have had a chance here with they had the full team, you know. Oh, but there's going to be a different Cork for the eighth no. time in Brian Cuthbert's era. It's going to be a more defensive Cork. They've copped on to things. They've had to bring Alan O'Connor back. Like, there's Fordy O'Driscoll's playing. What way are they going to play Mark Collins? They're going to play a double sweeper like they did against Sligo in the championship last year. I don't know. I'm not convinced by Cork at all. I suspect you're more convinced by Tipperary. Or is it? If Tipperary were playing Cork. Oh, if Tipperary were playing Cork. I'd back them. Yeah. Yeah. Against Kerry, do you I give them? There was a part of me last night. There was a part of me what last night that wanted to back Tipperary. It's big, isn't it? We looked it up. I think it was about eight or nine. Yeah, maybe even higher. Right, ten maybe. I'll look it up now. Yeah. Well, Tommy's telling you why Tip are great. I'll yeah, tell me why Tip are great. They've had these. So there's only three hundred twenty-one starting that are in the twenty-one final this year. Yeah. But they've had like they've got the likes of Michael Quinn living there, Philip Boston, Connor Sweeney. They're young players. Say Quinlevin's twenty-two, Austin's twenty-two, Sweeney's twenty-four. They're very good footballers. Two years ago, they played Kerry in a Munster semi-final and they lost by seventeen points. I think they were hockeyed. And Conor Reardon was talking today, talking about he was sitting there in the stand that day, looking on, saying, "How are the lads dropping their heads? How are they just? How are Kerry blitzing us like this?" Yeah, I just think they're going to be ready. I think Tipperary's been building towards. Oh, they're not going to be ready to beat them. They could beat them. Like, you know, this is a Tipperary team I just think that have been building towards making it. You know, like, it's not like it's a flash in the pan. Yeah, and the way they won the quarterfinal as well, racking up such a big score, yeah, it, it, it showed a confidence in themselves that, yeah, we're there are certain counties now we are far better than. Mm. We're at a certain level. Yeah, and they're growing. It's, it's a little bit like Leash in the late 90s, early 2000s when they were building towards those Lancer titles. It might be, like... The problem with Munster is that you just there's almost like the hang up there, you know, yeah. and, and mm. the way it's kind of seeded is that you're going to have to beat both. Yeah, yeah, and 
like there is that hand. Clare are the only team in the last I, uh, like was it the, is it the 19th century other than that no 1920s I think other uh, was uh, other than one, 1992 there's one team in that entire time That's that have insane. won the Munster Championship it's just it's almost not in their DNA you no. know so it's like they're I, I wonder do they ever go in with that yeah. sort of confidence of like this could be our year you know but well that's what we saw last year I remember driving back I think it was the day of the Irish Open driving back from Cork when Tipper playing Cork that evening and Tipper in front and you, you just know that Cork are going to come back and Indian you're listening course. to the commentary yeah. and you can sense the Tipperary players know that yeah. they're either going to somehow scrape a draw or Cork are going to nick this but how many times did Limerick in the, the era Kerry, of, John of, of John Galvin era. era, did Limerick have the game won? Yeah, I know. Like, it seemed to be every year for about 10 years against one of them. They just had it won. Yeah. And then somehow, somehow, somehow. The great thing about that was it gave the O'Shea's enough uh, enough material for about 20 articles a year of, oh, the day we we, we weren't concentrating that day. We weren't fully prepared. They brought me walking shoes, not me football shoes. That was the most today talking about that. Yeah. Wasn't there one game where Darrow caught a ball at 45 in the last minute above the crossbar? To to like keep it a replay. I can't remember. What, I think it was. And I think, I think Kerry killed them in the replay. Yeah. then, didn't they? This that was about that was only a few years ago. And in all those games, okay. Limerick missed about uh, four great yeah. goal chances as well. Yeah. 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 Um, sorry. So I was the handicap is only six points. Okay. But tip to win the game is six to one. Like <sighs> I'm not saying put your house on it. I'm yeah. saying put a fiver last night. Put a fiver on it. Yeah. Give yourself yeah. a bit of an Maybe, interest. Maybe, you know, if you have a five or despair, obviously. Uh, the Leinster quarterfinals, Westmead against Wexford and Meath against Wicklow. I presume Meath against Wicklow will be more or less one-way traffic, though I I, I know Meath are missing quite a few players. Meath are missing quite a few players. There are certain six championship de- or six players are making their championship debut. If it wasn't Wicklow, if it was another team in Leinster, I'd be a little bit worried going into it. But, um... These games can be a bit of a, a good induction for it. Like, some Price Halton, yeah. like James McEntee. Um, Harry Rooney's getting his first start in midfield. Any relation? Flanagan, no relation at all. Um, Joey Wallace is getting another chance in the corner forward line. It's not a mid team that I'd like to see going into a Leicester semi final, a Leicester final. I'd be very afraid. But um, it's good that these lads are getting their chances now. And what about Westmeath, Wexford? Westmeath were at a pretty low point. Yeah, over the last couple of years, but I think Westmead. I, I think they just need a break. I think they're gonna. I, I hope. Like, I don't know. Wexford, we just had such a bad league campaign, yeah. and we've heard absolutely nothing from them. I'm not expecting Wexford to to produce anything. I hope Westmead beat them. I'd love to see Mead Westmead semi final, but um, to be honest, I. I I don't. I don't see where Wexford are going to come from. I know a few people who went to the Clare Wexford game in Division Three this year. And we're fully, you know, kind of going to the game based on Wexford's almost reputation, you know. Yeah. And we're just in absolute shock. And how bad? So, like, this is one of the worst football teams I've ever seen. Really? You know, now, like, whether they are still that and, when, yeah. you know, later on in the, in the year or whatever. But their league performances and their results elsewhere would suggest they probably Scary. weren't too far wrong, you know. Like, crazy how far they've fallen. Mm, any final thoughts? Well, you've got, like, people, you still, they still have, like, Kieran Ling playing for them and... Yeah. Players that are players like you know, this was yeah. a good team a couple of years ago. All right, well, that's pretty much it for the Friday final thought. GAA sorry, just looking pod. at the fixtures again. Going yeah. six games on Sunday, one on Saturday. That's a replay. You know, 
yeah. what, like I mean I know Ireland are playing and it's, it's a good thing that they're not putting games up against yeah. that but yeah. you have two until o'clock. five that you have yeah, a big perfect time. window there There's, you get to give Westmead and Wexford or Cork and Clare or Tip Kerry just that little bit more attention yeah. that it deserves and why not you're talking about these guys getting knocked out of the championship into the qualifier draw and nobody have seen them kick a ball people want to see Colin Cooper back for the first time since 2013 people want to see what way does Cork team are going to play like what are we going to get in the on the in the highlights that night it's going to be you'll get a report minutes, five minutes of report two minutes of report get, yeah. a couple of nice scores that's it like we're not going to know what the styles are what way teams are playing it's a pity you can always go to the games Will be the can't be in all six can't be at all in yeah five places at one time or six places at one time on Sunday uh, alright uh, thanks Mick great to have you here Excellent oh, thanks debut. Thanks for finally having me, you know. We'll have you back. I'll go back to the pension. We will have you back. Uh, no question about that. Tommy, as always, uh, everyone go to newstalk.com, uh, check out the off-the-ball page, and check out your preview, your in-depth preview of Armagh against Donegal. The uh, Friday GAA podcast is in association with GAA Go, official home for live and on-demand GAA match streaming. Uh, we're on air tomorrow, Saturday, that is, at 1 o'clock. We will have Tomas O'Shea looking ahead to all the weekend's games. And then on Sunday, live coverage of our man against Donegal. Dave alongside Aaron Kernan and Kevin Cassidy. It's a two o'clock throw-in. We'll have James Horan at Pierce Stadium watching Galway against Mayo at four. And we'll have reporters and updates from all the other games as well. We'll talk to you next week. Good luck. The Friday GAA Podcast with thanks to GAA Go. Official home for live and on-demand GAA match streaming worldwide.